Welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Church. Covenant Grace Church is one church meeting in multiple locations. This message was recorded at our Menifee campus. One of the things that I love about kids is um, they always need an audience. My kids, your kids, um, they're always coming up to us and they're saying, hey, hey, dad, dad, look, look at me, look at this. Um, or they're saying, you know, hey, Mr. Josh, check this out. Um, or they're saying, you know, mom, 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 right? Um, or, or, or papa, uh, or, or, or nana, or grandma. They want an audience. They want somebody to look at what they're doing. And they crave this reward that comes from us as parents or as caring adults saying, good job. You know, you did a great job. Or I'm so proud of you. Well done. But the thing is, I don't think that kids really grow out of that. Right? They get a little bit older, and they start switching who they look for for that affirmation. Right? They start looking maybe for the cool kids at school to tell them they are also cool. And if they can't find those kids to tell them they're cool, then they'll at least become a teacher's pet right? and ask for that affirmation from, from a teacher. Then they'll get a little bit older. We'll get a little bit older. We'll start looking for a girlfriend or a boyfriend to tell us, oh, you just mean the world to me, right? And then we grow out of that, and then we, that, that search kind of develops into looking for a husband or a wife, somebody that will tell us constantly that we are uh, okay, right? That they, they will constantly be filling um, that, that void. Um, and then, you know, a little bit down the road, you get into a job or you get into school, and um, you're constantly looking for that affirmation in a letter of recommendation or an award or a raise or a promotion. It just doesn't stop. The only thing that changes is who we're looking for that affirmation from. And you know what? I think it's, I think it's part of our design. I think it's actually a feature, not a flaw, that we would search for affirmation, search in our life for um, that. Somebody would tell us that everything's okay. And I think the flaw is where we go to find that affirmation. Right, where we go, um, and how we get there. Because a lot of times, it's so much easier to land a date, or land a job, or get a raise if you kind of put on a mask and pretend to be someone or something that you're not, right? And I think that's the human condition, that we are, we've got this strong, this good, God-given desire um, to have somebody tell us that we are okay, to be praised. But then we have this equally strong sinful desire to just fake our way there, right? And I think in this passage, Jesus this morning is telling us that there's a different way, right? That by seeking this secret life of devotion to God, that we can actually have um, two things, really. We're going to look at these two things this morning. We can have freedom from faking it. And secondly, we can have far greater rewards from our Father. So we're just going to look at those two things this morning. Freedom from faking it and far greater rewards from the Father. So let me pray just real quick and we'll, we'll jump in. Um, Father, I just pray this morning that you would speak to each one. Lord, I pray that you would speak to visitors that have come this morning. I pray that you would speak, Lord, um, to your children that are here. And I pray that you would speak to us all through the words of your son, Jesus, in this passage. I pray in his name. Amen. 
All right, so first, we're going to look at um, freedom from faking it. So freedom from faking it. Uh, this is what the, this is the first thing that's offered here. And um, you know, I think we've all kind of grown tired with our uh, social media and reality TV show culture, right? I mean, we've got a reality TV president, uh, for, for, for goodness sake, right? Um, and, and I think in this passage, in this passage, Jesus, Jesus speaks of hypocrites. And when we think of the word hypocrite now, it means something totally different than it meant back then. Um, because now a hypocrite, because of this sermon, means somebody who uh, acts one way to your face and then acts a completely different way um, behind the scenes. But in that time, hypocrites were actors. They were actors that wore a mask. And so that's kind of um, the, the sense in this passage. And we've all felt that from time to time. We're all in some place, in some way in our lives, we're people that hide behind a mask and we kind of fake it through life. And it's something that everybody feels. Listen to these people. Um, uh, Liz Bingham, she, she was a managing partner for Ernst & Young, a multi-million, uh, multi-billion dollar financial company. And she would go into meetings thinking to herself, what are you doing here? What do you think you're doing? You're going to be found out. Or, or actresses like Kate Winslet, she, she would go um, to the set and she described it like this. She said, I'd wake up in the morning before going off to a shoot and think, I can't do this, I'm a fraud. And another actor, Don Cheadle, he, he shared something similar. He said, all I can see is everything I'm doing wrong that is a sham and a fraud. And I think we've all felt this. Um, and so we kind of fake it till we make it, right? Don't we do that? And um, there's an answer for that. So how does this secret life of devotion described in this passage offer us freedom from faking it? And I, I just want to remind us where we're at because we haven't been in the Sermon on the Mount for a few weeks. We've kind of taken a detour. Um, but we're right in the middle of this really famous passage that Jesus gives. It's his first sermon. And through the ages, Christians and non-Christians have thought that this teaching is the most important teaching ever, like in all of history. Um, even Gandhi said that when he first read the Sermon on the Mount, it went straight to his heart. And then later he was in a meeting um, with uh, leaders in Great Britain kind of fighting for... Um, for freedom and, and peace uh, with India. And he opens up the Bible and he says, when our countries shall get together on the teachings laid down by Christ in this Sermon on the Mount, we shall have solved the problems not o- only of our countries, but of the whole world. So this teaching uh, that, that we're getting into may solve world peace, maybe the answer to world peace, right? And there's another author, um, Kurt Vonnegut. He's, a, he's an atheist and a humanist, but He said, if Christ hadn't delivered the Sermon on the Mount with its message of mercy and pity, I wouldn't want to be a human being. I'd just as soon be a rattlesnake. So this teaching is like the key to life um, over and over again for so many people. And so let's take a look at it. Um, In this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is showing us how to truly be human, how to not be a rattlesnake. That should have been the title of the message. Yeah, that would have been good. Um, so Matthew 6, 1, verse 1, it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So the first word there is beware. And um, this, the, this word, it's a caution. Um, it's a caution from a friend. And we've all had friends like this, right, that have told us, they've kind of grabbed us by the face and said, Look, 
you got to be careful here. Um, I, you know, I love you. I care about you. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, look, be careful here. And what is he saying? What is he asking us to be careful of or to, to be aware of? Um, he says, um, you know, is he asking us, you know, be careful not to practice righteousness. Now, there, there's, we got to dig a little bit deeper. He says, beware of doing that in order to be seen by people. So really what he's doing is he's speaking to our, not to our actions, but to our motivations. So he's not telling you, beware, you know, don't post that perfect picture of you with your Bible and your coffee mug at Starbucks. Um, but don't post, he's not saying don't, don't, you know, just don't post it, but he's saying don't post it just so that you'll rack up the number of likes that you get on, on your social media account. Okay, and he's not saying, you know, stop serving in your church, but he's saying stop serving to be seen, right? Um, stop bringing attention to yourself. He's not saying that we should stop practicing love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control in front of people. That's impossible, right? To love somebody is, is to do it right in front of them. But what he's saying is don't do it just to be seen. And he goes on from that. He goes on and he talks about giving in verse 2. He says, thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets. And really, Jesus is being funny here. I mean, we all should have laughed at that. But I think we've heard it so many times um, that we, we, we've, it's kind of lost the humor. It's lost the punch. Um, but he's basically saying that, you know, like we just passed around the, the basket here but, uh, at the beginning of service. And he's saying, don't be the guy who sticks his check in and then raises a tiny trumpet and goes, burr, burr, burr. you know, look at me, draws, draws attention to himself. Um, He's, he's, uh, he's saying not that we, should, um, that we shouldn't give to the needy. He's saying don't sound a trumpet when you do it. And I think there's all little ways that you guys can think of that you yourself or you, ways that you've seen people basically sound a metaphorical trumpet, right, when they give. He's saying stay away from that. And he says that they have received their re- reward he says, truly I say to you that they have received your reward. And there's something really interesting when you look at the um, original uh, language here that, that this was written in. It doesn't quite come out in the English, but the word, uh, the, the word that is used when it's translated they have received their reward, it's a little stronger in the, in the Greek, in the original language. It means paid in full. And so... He goes on and he uses the same phrase. Jesus uses the same phrase in verse 5. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. They've been paid in full. And Matthew, the writer of this gospel, was a tax collector. He would have been really familiar with this word. Um, because it was a way, it was a word that was um, used to close accounts. So we, you would close an account and you'd say, up, oh, it's paid in full. And so what Jesus is saying in here is really interesting. He's saying that if you're looking for the reward from others, if you're looking for people to say great job at what you've done, that's all you're going to get. <laughs> it's going to be paid in full. The account's going to be closed up. And really, they're probably going to forget it forever after that. 
the praise of others is such a puny reward, and Jesus is letting us in on this secret because we act like it's the most important thing ever, right? He's saying that there's a better way. And really, this is kind of the universal human experience, right? Um, Human beings, we're all born with this praise vacuum, right? That was designed to be filled by God himself. So Blaise Pascal, the the math guy, um, he... Yeah, that's what he's known for, right, Pascal? Um, he, he described it as a God-shaped hole that we're all seeking to fill. And Augustine said that our hearts are restless till we find our rest in him. And so we've all been born with this praise hole, right, that we walk around with and we try to fill it up. We try going through life um, so that people will try to pay to our account, you know, to pay that debt, that hole, by telling us that we're good people, or that we're worthy, or that what we're doing really matters. But the truth is, all of their words, all their affirmation, all of their love is never enough, right? We have this eternal vacuum that needs to be filled by an eternal source of affirmation. And that can only be filled by this eternal Father, right? And so, while all the while we're seeking, um, you know, for this payment, you know, to be paid in full by other people, this is such a puny reward Um, And it only leaves us craving for more. And all the while, while this is happening, Jesus comes and he lives and he willingly puts himself up on a cross so that he can say to all of our sin, our, our actual debt of sin, right? That debt that we've been accumulating trying to fill this void. He can say that that debt has been paid in full, right? He says, it is finished, you know, and that's really the invitation of the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel, is to come have that debt paid in full. And so, you know, if you're here this morning and you're investigating Christianity, that's kind of the core message. It's come and get your sin debt paid in full, um, you know, by a God who is willing to do that. And, and if you're here this morning and you're a Christian and you you've embraced that message, then this is really how we grow, right? This is one of the, uh, th- this is the, the core of our becoming more like Christ, is living um, like that actually happens, right? And, and so by telling us this, Jesus is letting us in on a big secret. He's saying that while we're, we're trying to, to fake it, we're, we're trying so hard in front of people, um, they really could care less. And, and yet, At the same time, we're missing out on the one who actually cares for us, right? And some some, um, pastors have called this this an audience of one, that we're really living for an audience of one. We're living for the audience of one um, Father in heaven who who does care for us. And so he offers us, secondly, far greater rewards. So freedom from faking it and then far greater rewards. And um, in this passage, there's a lot of talk of reward. It's kind of strange, actually. Seven different times Jesus says, uh, Jesus talks about rewards. He talks about being rewarded by the Father. Um, He starts out in verse 1, right at the top. He tells us not to practice our righteousness before men. Then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And he's really telling us that there's just one who cares enough about our giving to the needy, our living a a good life, our, our prayer life, 
our devotion to him through fasting, there's only one who really cares about it enough to actually reward us for it. And that's what he's offering. This is the heart of a father. This is the heart of a father who, when his kids say, hey, 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 dad, look, 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 look. He's, he's more than willing um, to, to reward, to come down. Um, in verse 3, uh, Jesus tells us, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And then he goes on in verse 6, he says, But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And these rewards that are in, in this passage, um, most of the commentators think that they're eternal rewards, which totally makes sense. And I think there's two ways that we think of eternal rewards in a wrong way, right? Okay, some of us think wrongly that eternal rewards are somehow not real rewards. <laughs> and, and I've got to admit that a lot of times I think this too. It's kind of like we're kids when we're kids and, and our, our parents go, to, go tell us to, to go clean our room and they, they have a special reward for us, and then we get it all clean, and then they say, you know, your reward is living in a clean room. And you're like, oh, that is not a real reward, you know? It's almost like that. You almost think like, oh, yeah, eternal rewards, great. <laughs> yeah. Exciting. And that's how I think some of us, though, and, and um, these, are, these are people much more godly than myself, when they hear eternal rewards, they think, oh, no. You know, I, I just want to do good because it's good to do good. I, I don't need a reward. I don't need to be reward, reward, rewarded for it. I don't need a bribe uh, to do good. And I think those are both wrong ways of looking at what's going on here. I don't know exactly what these rewards will be. The Bible's not specific about these rewards, and I think there's a reason for that. But trust me, we need them very bad. If God is offering them, we need these rewards. They are going to be good rewards. We're not too good for God's rewards. And those rewards are not insignificant. I can guarantee that. These rewards will somehow make eternity with God better than it would have been had we not received them. Somehow. I don't know how, but somehow. Um, about these eternal rewards, Jonathan Edwards wrote, Every vessel that is cast into this ocean of happiness is full, though there are some vessels far larger than others. Did, did you catch that? He says every vessel, so every person that's, that goes to heaven that's cast into this ocean of happiness is completely full. Some people go with bigger cups, though. And, and that's what those eternal rewards have to be, something in, involved with that. So... Okay, are, are you ready for this? Are you ready to start earning these, these points? I don't know, <laughs> eternal rewards. Um, we're given some application in this passage. So um, there's just four ways uh, in this passage, four examples really that, that Jesus uses. Um, he, he says, he, he talks to us about our living, about our giving, about our prayer, and about our fasting. And we're just gonna really quickly um, go through these. So uh, first off, in verse one he says, um, that beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. So this is about our living. And I think some of us have a really hard time practicing righteousness um, in secret because the places that we practice our righteousness are usually in front of people who notice. 
And so I think the application for us and the challenge for all of us this week even is to find a place where you know that you are not going to be appreciated <laughs> or recognized for what you do. And for some of us, for some of us, this just may be at home even or at work. Um, you're really not shown the appreciation or the significance that you think. But for some of us, it might be harder to find those places, and we do need to find those places. So think about that place that you can go into, that context where you're going to serve, you're going to love, and you're not going to be appreciated. Go in there and pray that the Spirit would fill you, that, would, he, that he would give you the words to say, that he would give you the actions to perform, and then love, serve, lead, sacrifice, and do it all under the smile of a father who is well-pleased. So in our living, um, and then in our giving, too. Uh, so uh, the, this passage teaches that our giving should be in secret um, as much as possible. Uh, and, you know, I'll just tell you, just practically, cash is a great way to give in secret um, because sometimes it's hard to trace where it's coming from. And so, you know, think about who it is that you could bless without them knowing and without telling anybody else. You know, and we've all heard stories, well, I don't know, most of us have heard stories, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us have heard stories about um, money showing up mysteriously right when you need it. You know, that people absolutely needed, you know, this, this car payment or this check for, you know, or they're, they're going to get kicked out of their apartment, they prayed and there was money left on the doorstep. And behind every single one of those stories is somebody who's giving in secret. You know, you don't think about the other side of that so much, but, um, you know, let, let's figure out ways to bless and take care of needs in, in secret. And then in our prayer, um, really quick, uh, he says, um, oh, oh, I, I, heard a, I heard a story about um, uh, a seminary professor that used to talk, tell all of his, his seminary students that when they, should, when they pray, when they go off and, and become pastors, that they should uh, pray long in private and pray short in public. <laughs> like, isn't that great advice for pastors um, who, who like the podium? I think it's great advice. And, and so I think for some of us, um, right now you're thinking, I don't even like to pray in public, so perfect, this will be easy. Um, but... Not so fast, right? Not so fast for you. I would guess that the reason that you don't like to pray in public is the same reason that the Pharisees or that, that these these hypocrites do like to pray in public is because they're more concerned, and, and we are more concerned with what people think about our prayer than with, with what God thinks about our prayer. And so, I think the challenge for you is to actually pray out loud this week. Um, Ask the Spirit of God to give you the words and just pray. And when you pray, pray to God himself, not to the people that may be hearing your prayer um, next to you. And then finally, um, in our fasting, and take a look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, um, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that fasting that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting 
may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. So this is the last way in this passage that Jesus is telling us um, how to kind of rack up rewards uh, with, with the Father. Um, have you ever fasted? I, I think sometimes fasting leaves us with a, a bad taste in our mouth. Um, you know, excuse the pun. Because it can be a public spectacle, can it? Um, have you heard the joke about the, uh, the, the, the vegan and the crossfitter and the person fasting that walk into a bar? I only know about this because they told everybody about it as soon as they got in there, right? You know, they just, they love to talk about it. And, you know, maybe you've heard that person when they're fasting, they, um, you know, they, they'll, they'll definitely let you know, you know? Uh, there is um, a season of fasting, actually, that starts this Wednesday. Um, and it's not um, always practiced by, uh, by, Protestants and evangelicals, but it starts on Ash Wednesday. Um, Lent begins a season of uh, 40 days before Easter, and it commemorates Jesus' period of fasting in the wilderness. And if you're thinking right now, wow, that's way too Catholic for me, um, then it's no more or less Catholic than, than Christmas or Easter. Uh, so if you like uh, performing those, you just don't get any gifts traditionally for Lent. That's why I think we're kind of bummed out about it. Um, you know, plus, if you do it, and if you do it the right way, nobody's going to know about it anyway, so that, that you're practicing it, so you don't have to worry about it being too Catholic. Um, it, but it can be a powerful time for us to focus on our dependence on God the Father. And I think traditionally, um, if you look at the history of the church, people have um, fasted during this time. Maybe they fasted for one meal a day, uh, or for one day out of the week, they'll pick to fast. Um, or you can even do kind of a bread and water fast during the daytime. Uh, usually they don't fast on Sunday um, because it's seen as a day of, of uh, feasting and celebration um, because of the resurrection of Christ. But through the week, um, there's no real rules for this other than the ones in the passage of you know, make sure that you wash your face while you're doing it and you don't tell everybody about it so that you can... Um, be rewarded for it in secret. And so this would be a time that as you feel those, those pains of hunger, um, it would be a time to remind you of, to pray, and uh, uh, it would be a time of devotion to God and dependence upon God, and a time of repentance to, to him. And so I would encourage you to do it. If you end up doing it, though, don't tell me about it. That would, uh, that's kind of the whole point of, of this passage, right? Um, and, and just finally, I, I want to leave you guys with this. Um, I went on Friday night, I went to a talk that was given by a theoretical physicist, because that's kind of some of the things that I do. I'm, I'm a dork. And, and I did go alone. My wife is laughing at me. Yes, I went alone, um, but I, I like going to stuff like that. And he ended his talk um, by describing how the human heart beats, on average, three billion times in a lifetime. And at first you think, wow, three billion times, that's a good number. That's a lot. But then you start feeling your own heart beating. So take a second, and that heart beats along. You can kind of feel it in your chest, and it's keeping you alive. And then at the end of the talk, he asked, how are you going to use your three billion? 
I thought that was a great question. Really profound. And I think the only thing that I would add to that question in light of this passage, in light of Jesus' teaching, is for whom are you going to use that $3 billion? Now, are you going to use this $3 billion for the praises of people who will offer you small ad- admiration that really won't last very long? Or are you going to use this $3 billion in secret, seeking the eternal rewards of a father who loves you and a father who cares um, about his children? Father, we are thankful that we can come to you as a father and we can uh, bring to you what we've done and that you are um, a pleased father who desires to reward his children. And we pray that we would start living for you um, and not living for everything else um, that we, we get distracted by. Um, We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he paid our debt so that we can come to you. We pray in his name. You've been listening to the weekly podcast of the Menifee Campus of Covenant Grace Church. If you'd like to know more about Covenant Grace Church, visit us online at covgrace.org.